I think at the moment, if you don't raise money, people think you're running sort of a lifestyle business or like sort of a side hustle. Maybe, you know, it's like, yeah, you have a family, you have kids, but it doesn't mean that you work less. I think you work in a different way. Maybe you try to be more efficient. Maybe you're trying to be a bit smarter with how, you know, you organize your life. Welcome to Bossing It, a podcast exploring real-life stories of individual women sharing the ups and downs of their experiences and life's challenges designed to leave our listeners feeling inspired and empowered. Every episode will be a new adventure where we discover a fresh outlook on life and business. I am your host, Lara Sheldrake, founder of Found and Flourish. And today I'm joined by Emily Bellet, who is the founder and CEO of Vestpod, the author of Amazon bestseller, You're Not Broke, You're Pre-Rich, and host of The Wallet Podcast. Formerly working in private equity, Emily launched Vestpod to change the conversation about money and empower women financially. Emily started her career in private equity banking and through reflecting on her years working in finance, realized she was not saving or investing enough and could not find the support to do so. She then decided to launch Vestpod for Women as a way to provide education and a community for women to start breaking the taboo around money. Vestpod is a digital platform with a popular weekly newsletter as well as personal finance workshops and networking events. Emily is a columnist for iPaper and has been featured in the likes of Financial Times, Forbes, BBC News, Vogue, Glamour, Refinery29, Stylist, Sheer Lux, Monocle and Career Magazine, to name a few. In this episode, Emily shares her journey from finance to entrepreneurship whilst also juggling little people. We talk about work-life balance, building a business organically and the challenges that come with being a working mother in the entrepreneurial space. Emily shares how she built Vestpod and why she built it for women specifically. She talks about why it's so important we understand our relationship with money, as well as practical tips for those looking to get out of debt, save for a rainy day and invest for their future. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Emily. Welcome to the Bossing It podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. We're going to get stuck straight in. So I would love to know a bit about you, your mission at Vestpod, and a bit more about your background, really, and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, of course. Hi, Lara. Nice to see you, uh, <laughs> as always. So yeah, I'm Emily Bellet. I'm the founder of Vestpod, and my big mission is to empower women um, financially. So we're all about educating women with their you know, personal finances, um, how to repay debt, how to save more, how to earn more, and basically build wealth um, for, the, for the long term. So Vespod is now about four to five years old. Um, and before that, I worked in banking. So I started my career working for Lehman Brothers um, in London. So you know, you've all heard the story. Uh, I was there. Yeah, 2007, I think. So I studied in, in France, in Spain and the UK and decided to, to move. My friends were like, yeah, you should go into um, into banking, into finance. I had no idea <laughs> what, the, what the job was, um, but I got a job. I moved there um, and, and yeah, it was fantastic. Like, you know, super demanding, worked um, worked quite hard. Uh, but I guess it was it was super to, you know, be in London, earn a, a good salary work with you know in a very challenging environment um my job so i was working in their investment team so private equity team so my job was to look at businesses see decide you know should we invest in, in these businesses when do we sell them work with management teams um so yeah really like fascinating um so i worked i worked in, in finance for about yeah 10 years and then decided to go into more 
you know, entrepreneurial route uh, and set up a first business that didn't work actually in the recruitment space uh, and then move on to, uh, you know, to, to set up Vespod. But I guess the idea for Vespod was here for, you know, a long time already while, you know, working in, in finance uh, because, you know, when you look at the gender pay gap, the wealth gap, women earn a lot less than than men. Uh, we also, you know, don't necessarily have the confidence or don't know where to start when it comes to finances, but we can do it. So why why are we not doing it more? And why, you know, um, why are women actually don't have the same pensions as men, don't invest as much as men? So I was quite intrigued to understand all these questions, especially for, for myself, because I didn't know, you know, what to do with with my money couldn't find a financial advisor so that's that's really the idea for for Vespod um and, and how it was it was born and what did those first couple of years look like then because going from working in banking and finance to entrepreneurship setting up your own business as you say you know you brushed over that but you, you built a business that you say you know didn't work and then from there you had this idea to create a platform, an educational platform to empower women financially. Like what what did those first couple of years look like? And, and also how did that initial, I guess, failure in your eyes of building a business that didn't work, how did that impact the way that you then approached Vespod? Yeah, so I, I, that's a really good question. I think it was really hard for me to adjust from you know corporate life, banking life to actually being an entrepreneur. So building this first startup was such a big jump for me. Um, first of all, because I wanted to, you know, do something else than finance, have a bigger impact, have some sort of meaning. And I couldn't find that in my you know, banking life. But, you know, when you work in banking, you have, first of all, you're, you know, you're paid. Um, then, you know, you have all this environment. You don't have a lot of time to think for yourself and about your life because you're also working really hard. And you don't know what you're capable of. So, you know, what are my skills apart from, you know, Excel modeling and looking at financial statements uh, and making like these PowerPoint presentations and stuff. So I didn't know what else could I actually do outside of banking. And then I left, set up this first business, didn't work. And in the meantime, I got married and I was pregnant with my first son. So it was like from being like, you know, high flying banker to building a startup, raising money oh my gosh. <laughs> and then closing this business to being back at home pregnant. I mean, I, I'm, I'm very privileged. So, I, you know, I, I worked in finance. So it's not like I needed to, you know, find a job, but I could use some of my savings to actually build my business, which is why it's super important that, you know, you have these like emergency savings, you have this rainy day fund. So you have some some savings when, you know, that gives you options, basically. So that gave me the option to try again and try to build another business and buy me a little bit of time. So back home, uh, and I was like, I can't go back to finance now because also I'm pregnant, so I'm not going to find a job. Um, and it's really hard when you fail um, a startup to decide to do it again, because you know, like the first, you know, you mentioned like two years of business, this is so hard. It's not like I can't give you one example, but it's like every day, like small challenges, very hard things to do, um, you know, trying to fine tune your mission, your why. Mm. And, and I think the hardest for me was, you know, the why is really big. I know what I want to do, but how am I actually going to do that? And I want to do that without raising any money also. So how do I start building a business with no money? <laughs> that was basically uh, that was basically it. 
why did you decide that you wanted to build it without raising money? Because you'd raised money for the previous business. What was that? Yeah. yeah. So could you tell us a bit more about your decision there? Yeah. So I think it, it really depends the, the type of business um, you want to launch, the type of business you want to run. But I think at the moment we are sort of glamorizing, um, you know, raising money. We all read this. I mean, especially in tech, uh, but all the businesses are, are quite tech at the moment. So if you're online, you know, as soon as you raise money and I raise money for my previous business and people were like, wow, that's amazing. Well done. That's fantastic. That's such an achievement. This is success for most people. Like, you know, when you're outside of, of the startup world. Uh, but then as soon as you, you have the money, you have investors, uh, you have to spend this money very quickly. Um, you know, you have, yeah, you have to, to act like very fast and grow super fast. So with this business, because I wasn't clear on the product I was offering, I was very clear on my mission. Um, I decided to, you know, not raise money. And also because I was building a family. So I had my first mm. kid and thought it's going to be quite challenging to do both um, at the same time. And I want to be able to spend time with my children. I want to be able to be home. I want to be able to be flexible. And I thought, you know, raising money is not solving all your issues. <laughs> it's actually adding um, more pressure. So there's some, you know, maybe now, you know, why not? Or in the future, why not? Uh, but I think there's a time for it. Um, and you really have to understand what you get um, yourself into having an investor. If you didn't like your corporate job because you didn't like to have a job, you didn't like the environment. Mm. If you don't have the right type of investor, that's not going to be really helpful for your business. And I think you learn so much by trying to build a business from scratch with no money. And I think every business should start like that because you will learn how to keep your costs very low how to bootstrap, so using your own money, your own money to build your business. But I'm, I'm not talking about you know <laughs> tens of thousands of pounds. Now you can build a business with nothing, you know, a few hundred pounds. Like yeah. build your website. You can. I designed my first logos. I wrote all my you know first uh, blog posts. Um, you can you know register yeah. your limited company. So there's a lot of things you can do, and and I still have this in my values today, like, you know, we're, we're still a startup. So not yeah. like overspending and stuff. And I think you make, um, you make better choices, um, long-term. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, you've just said so many really interesting things there. And obviously now as a, as a mother of three, you know, your considerations are not just about the business, but having that work-life balance and just going back to raising investment and choosing not to, you know, as a new mum it really depends how quickly you potentially want to grow and scale your business, doesn't it? And the sacrifices that you're prepared to make. And it's a big decision to make to not go down the fundraising route and, and bootstrap it because yes, it's doable, but that also throws a whole load of other challenges, right? Like a slower pace and, um, you know, reminding yourself of your why and and your mission and also perhaps not being blindsided by perhaps everybody else moving what can be perceived as a lot quicker than you. And I guess there are challenges around bootstrapping and building a business and being an entrepreneur whilst also being a mother. And I wonder, I wonder how you juggle all of that because it's tough, isn't it? Super tough. <laughs> <laughs> and it's tough and it's tough to be honest, whether you raise money, whether you don't raise money. I think also because I think at the moment, if you don't raise money, people think you're running sort of a lifestyle business or like sort of a side hustle. Maybe, you know, it's like, yeah, you have a family, you have kids, but it doesn't mean that 
you work less, I think you work in a different way. Maybe you try to be more efficient. Maybe you're trying to be a bit smarter with how you know you organize your life. You talked about balance and juggle. I think for me, it's definitely more on the juggle side. I think it's quite hard to find um, yeah. to find a balance. But mm. I mean, before having kids, I don't think I realized the impact that this would have um, on my life. And I think, you know, I worked in, yeah, as I said, like in finance and I thought, yeah, it's possible. Even if I wasn't seeing a lot of role models in, in finance or senior women who, who also had maybe, you know, a personal life and taking really mm. the time to be with their children because you can think about yeah, speed and trying to build your business as soon as, as, as fast as possible and maybe go for an exit or something like that and then take care of your family. But, you know, who knows? <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen. So for me, these early years with the children are really important. So I think it's, it's trying to, instead of celebrating the, the big wins and the big successes, and when you build a business, it's hard because your mission is so big that until you get to success for me is seeing, you know, every woman in the world being financially independent that's too big right so how do you celebrate like smaller successes for your business but also at home with the kids because often we build up towards something that's like maybe a birthday or christmas or something that's big for them or like you know starting school but in the end it's every day like what are the things you do with your children that will matter um for them so for me I have my boundaries. So, I mean, now they go to nursery, they go to school. We don't have a, a nanny, but my husband is here. So, so, you know, we sort of manage the all under six. So they're still, um, they're still quite small, but it's understanding that I have from, you know, 9 a.m. to 5. And this is like full uh, day. Maybe I work sometimes in the evening. I try not to work at weekends, but trying to balance, uh, balance both. It's never perfect. <laughs> so yeah. the problem is it can't be perfect. Um, at work and sometimes you have to do things a bit faster and deliver them even if they're not like 100% maybe they're 95 which is fine in the end you know it's yeah. okay and you need to move on because if you go you know for perfection um, it's going to take you a lot of time and it's never going to be <laughs> it's actually never going to be perfect and I think it's the same at home is accept that it's it's going to be a bit messy um, but but spending I think for me the, the most important is spending time with the kids listening to them um, yeah and, and just yeah just being there um, if you can even if it's not a lot of time but like just a few hours um, yeah. because I think they really realize that yeah you're, you're you're here for them yeah definitely and uh, I was saying to my partner just the other day we were just talking about work-life balance do we believe it exists uh, he doesn't run his own business but he works for a company and he heads up teams and it's it's that consideration isn't it of um, I guess it's balancing your your needs it's not necessarily having a work-life balance but it's actually going okay so how can I be content in my career because I'm working hard enough to see the results I need to see whilst also being able to spend time with my family? Because, you know, it's that story that goes around about people on their deathbeds, their biggest regret isn't that they didn't work hard enough, but they didn't see their family as much. And I think it's such an important reminder, isn't it? Because we see a lot of celebrations around those big exits, big billion turnover um, businesses run by entrepreneurs. And sometimes we can look at that and think, well, that success and as, as you say it's about actually understanding what success is for you and I think being able to do both is, is really important yeah you're right and I think success is different for for, for all of us and, and I think my definition of success has changed a lot over over the years um and, and in what way I mean 
I think success used to be maybe more like my career. What's what is the the role you have in you know maybe a corporate or business? Then success was yeah maybe you know raising money and big building this biggest business ever. <laughs> um, and maybe success for me now is more, yeah, making sure, you know, I spend time with my family, but I also build a business that's successful and I grow it organically. So what's super challenging is that, you know, when you spend time with the kids, you're thinking about your business. And when You're, you oh know, gosh, so, so this true. is really hard because you want to make sure you make enough money every month. You want to make sure your business is your business grows. Uh, so that's like still super present. But I guess you have to switch off. And I was talking to a, another entrepreneur the other day, and she told me, you know, I, I don't have children, but I'm, I, I think that it's almost easier for parents because they can switch off. And I tend to agree with that. Is you know, 5 p.m., 6 p.m. I have to go to school. I have to leave my desk. I have to switch off my laptop. I have to be with them. And in the end, like these few hours. It's good. I just, you know, take a break from work and then I can come back. And, and, and that means I'm, I'm a bit late, like replying to emails and stuff like that. But actually quite, quite like to have this. So maybe that's the balance you're talking about, actually. That's really interesting. I hadn't actually thought of that, but you're absolutely right, because I think it'd be so easy for us to just not stop or not take a break and I think that's a constant work in progress as well isn't it implementing boundaries and structure and I guess being a parent you have that natural structure to your day you've been running Vestpod now for is it five years did you say about five years yeah yeah how has the business model changed over that time so we started I mean I started Vestpod as a weekly newsletter so I tried to find the most basic product you could launch that would cost you zero money and that would reach scale. And for me, that was a way to also learn um, about money because I come from the corporate finance space, which is more like, you know, how does a business work? How does a business make money? To personal finances, how do I make money for myself? How do I save money? What are the products and stuff like that? So really like educating myself and writing. So we started this newsletter and, um, you know, it's been growing. We had our website, writing blogs, and then we started to do workshops and classes. So I joined um, an accelerator called The Family. They're based in, in France, um, but now they're online and, and global. And these guys have been amazing at really pushing me into what I didn't want to do. So they were like, you have to be the face of your business. If you want to grow also business organically, that's super important, especially are you talking about, you know, difficult, um, you know, money conversations. You have to be out there. Yeah. You have to, even if, you know, you have to put your story out there, you have to tell them, you know, what are your own challenges and how you're solving them for yourself. You need to tell your story. I was like, oh, God, you want to see my face everywhere. I don't want to do that. And then they're like, you know, you have to start, you know, why don't you make like, you know, classes and workshops and get women in the room and, and chat with them. So I organized my first um, my first class. I think that was maybe a year after starting. So I had my baby. I, I took some sort of maternity leave. So I, I was, you know, more like taking care of my baby. Um, and then I put this this class up um, that was in, you know, South London, um, like 20 tickets, 
sent it to my newsletter and then I was just like waiting and my husband told me yeah you know like he was working banking at the time and he told me you know two of my colleagues actually booked a ticket and they're coming to your workshop and I was oh like no my way gosh, that's amazing. yeah but at the same time I was, you know, okay, like okay now I have you know people working in finance coming to my workshops so then you know my friends came we had this workshop and that was the first of like a long series of, of workshops and lots of different financial topics i really enjoy it for me it was so nice to be able to meet the community understand what they want and i realized there's such a gap between the research and what you know banks and financial institutions are putting out you know out there to how people actually feel about money how they feel about learning and there was a lot of power um in you know putting women together in the same room um, and, and mm. talking about money and for them to be able to exchange about money because maybe you know that's the first money conversation they ever had in in their lives and maybe they were struggling or maybe they were doing really well but actually they wanted to talk about this so with me and with other women so based on this we're starting to do more classes and workshops and then I published my book um, in May 2019, You're Not Broke, You're Free Rich. This is brilliant. It's, I mean, <laughs> this was a tricky one also. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do you write a book, run a business and look after three children? Yeah, yeah and write in a, a second language. I mean... That's like another baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now we, we're working on a revised version of the book. So I'm, I'm reading it again. So that's quite... Yeah, it's like a lot of things. And But what I love about, about Vestpod is that... You know, from just one newsletter, now we have um, we have the podcast, we have the book, we have the classes, um, now online, obviously, we have the newsletter. I do a lot of like corporate talks for, for businesses and stuff, but it's super to have been able to to have like really like a platform for women so they can learn uh, from, you know, a lot of different ways. Um, and yeah, building a community around that for me, yeah, I think it's it's maybe the biggest achievement. Oh, it's amazing to hear like a snapshot of that timeline. And yeah, you are the face of the business. Your your workshops sell out. You you're you're selling how many tickets per workshop now? Well, the big ones, hundred and fifty maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's amazing. In just a couple of years, it's incredible to see how much you've grown. And I think just going back to sort of women and money, I'd love to talk about this. You mentioned when uh, women come to your workshop, there's clearly like a lack of confidence with and you know within the finance industry how does that impact our ability to manage finances yeah so I think there's a few issues there and and I mean that was the case for me so I could really understand where women come from but you know I never had any money conversation at home or at school I went to you know Catholic school in Paris like you would never talk about money that was like very impolite very rude to talk about money um, and then you start, you know, your life, you're a student. Um, for a lot of people, you have student student debt. So you start your life with sort of like a negative number, even if, you know, I don't think student loans are bad, actually, because, you know, you, you're able to actually afford your studies. Um, and then you start working. And the first thing banks give you, at least in the UK, is a credit card. So for me, I was like, okay, fine. Like, I'm just going to spend my money. But I don't think we 
ever talk about the importance of saving money um, and small habits. And we think, yeah, we have time and that we, we don't want to talk about retirement. We don't want to talk about all these products because that's fine. We'll do it later when we have a family and stuff. But actually, it's much easier when you start, you know, in your 20s, in your 30s, even if it's like very, very small amount of money saved. So you don't have to play catch up in your 40s and your and your 50s. Um, but I think the, there's an issue around confidence. Why? Because financial markets, they seem very complicated and money management is often associated to math. And if you didn't like math and, and you know, numbers when you were young, Maybe today, today you're not gonna you're not gonna like it. Most people don't even open their bank bank statements. They don't look at you know their bank balances and stuff. But if you're not in control of your finance, very quickly you can end up making you know bad decisions or end up in debt, and that costs you even more money. And then it's even harder to save. Um, and I think you know we have this image of the stock market as you know the wolf of wall street maybe and thinking that you know it's for people who have a lot of money who are very rich or it's for actually men and uh, it's not for me um women you know don't invest money uh, and that's fine i will have my pension but if you look at the statistics so we have the gender pay gap and then if we look down the line um, at the pension gap women retire with about 20 percent pension savings of men so the gap is huge and and we pay mm. a few penalties so the you know gender pay gap then what we call the motherhood penalty and if you don't have kids but you know take some days of work to take care of um, yeah maybe you know someone in your community elderly parents which women tend to do more than men uh, you have a drop in earnings which is fine it's just a few years and you think it's just a nominal amount that doesn't hit my you know my saving account and that i can't use for my you know to, to live basically and to spend but actually if this money is not saved and invested for the long term the opportunity cost of not saving this money and investing it over 20 years, 30 years, 40 years is actually huge down the line. So which is tricky is mm -hmm. that we having you know kids when you know maybe at the peak of our earnings. <laughs> so it's actually you know when you're not going to get this this income. So that makes um that makes a huge difference. So I was interesting to 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 understand going back to you know our 20s our 30s how can we start having these like very healthy money habits? that are not complicated. I mean, money management is very basic. You don't need to be good at math. You don't need to be good at numbers. You don't even need to use like any fancy apps and stuff, even if now there's a lot of them in the market, which is an, are amazing and that can help you if you're quite a techie. But if you're not, you know, pen and paper, just like a notebook where you can write like your, your own numbers, open, you know, your bank accounts, make sure you have a saving account that, you know, you're, you're paying yourself. So, very, very simple habits and try to break to understand where you stand today, where you want to be tomorrow um, and how you're going to uh, how you're going to achieve these goals. Um, I think the financial world and, and there's a big gap in financial advice. So most people don't have access to you know financial advisors. Usually when you're sick, you go see a doctor, uh, but you can't always have access to a financial advisor because maybe you don't have enough money and it's not um, worth for them to take you as a client or maybe because you don't want to spend money uh, because you don't understand the value of financial advice and maybe you'll understand it later down the line. So what are the things you can do for yourself um, at home? Because you should start money management as soon as you earn any money <laughs> uh, or as soon as mm. money. Like if you're a student, you're receiving like, you know, um, maybe some help, like student loans and stuff like that. 
understand how to manage this this money. So I think from very young, it's really important to you know look back and understand that you know your money mindset, your money habits. Why do you see money a certain way? Like why do you think money is bad? Why do you think money is is, is good? And and over the past year, I've interviewed a lot of money coaches um, and you know financial advisors to understand a lot about you know the mindset and how this has such a big impact on the way we manage our finances today. So I think trying to understand um, the big picture, but, but make it quite simple and make it fun and make it empowering because money is often very loaded with, you know, jargon and it can seem complicated and really boring. Like you don't want to go and, you know, read all these like disclaimers about money on your bank website, maybe. Um, but Vespod is you know, very visual and, and, and it just features lots of women who, who are willing to talk about, about money. So it's, it's a matter yeah. of, you know, have this conversation. Even if you don't know where to start, um, you're always going to learn something um, about money. Totally. I, yeah. And I think it's that's it, isn't it? It's starting the conversation because, as you say, you know, we're not taught about this at school. There should be a Vespod for kids. I can just see it now, some kind of Vespod. <laughs> program for schooling um should be part of a syllabus though shouldn't it It, there there should be you know education so much younger than we're receiving it and even then like it's almost like self-taught isn't it you you it isn't taught uni um and you mentioned student loan you know the amount of students that receive their student loan and grants and don't really know what to do with it so end up spending it and not considering how they're spending saving investing for their future it's just not something that we really think about and I think also for women I think it's really interesting because I'm not sure if you said this last time you were on a panel with us or if it was someone else but the fact that from quite early on the language we use for with our daughters compared to with our sons is different and money tends to be talked about more with boys so they kind of grow up already being interested in money and investing and saving and talking about pocket money salaries you know and and the, the conversation is almost encouraged and i know you talk about stamping out the final taboo which is in fact money because especially as women we can feel quite I don't know, cautious around it, protective, reluctant to talk about it. And as you say, you know, by not talking about it, we aren't bringing it into the conversation and into the narrative. And it's only by talking about it that we can actually create more of an an awareness, not only of like money in general, but as you say, like our behaviors with it, our mindset, because it's when you talk about it that you really understand how you think think and feel, because it's just, um, I think that's just the best way to learn, isn't it? Yeah, and and you're right. Like talking about money is important, but you don't necessarily know where to start. And talking about money, it's not about revealing your salary or how, how much debt you have, but actually, you know, start on maybe talking about your spending. Like have this conversation with your friends. Like you know, you're going out for dinner. Can we talk about you know budget? Is this within our budget? Is everyone okay with going out to this place? Mm. Should we find something cheaper? So I think that's a good way to engage on these money conversations with friends without going into like this these scary numbers. And then you know if you need if you need help, you should definitely you know try to speak to someone if you're you know struggling with with debt and you, you can't you feel you can't repay it because financial wellness or like you know financial issues maybe have such a big impact on on our wellness and the way we feel and that can create a lot of stress a lot of anxiety and that can be one of you know the underlying um, issues and you don't know why you feel this way so maybe 
being a bit more in control of your money, looking at your numbers, looking at you know how much debt you have, uh, maybe understanding that you have no money in your pension, you have no money in your savings. That's okay. You're here today. Don't look back. Now can you try to put a plan in place, uh, something that's manageable? And again, we were talking about small goals for your business. I think it's the same for money management. Um, you know, can you try to increase your income? I mean, if you're a business owner, can you have maybe bigger targets? Can you try to pay yourself? I know for founders, that's quite a tricky thing, like leaving money into the business, not paying yourself. Uh, you know, it's your baby. You need the money to grow and stuff. But what if, like, you know, make sure you also, you, you separate your finances, you pay yourself that you save this money so understand you know the, the products you know what's a pension um what are the isa what are the, the efficient way to to save some money for um for your future because that's going to be so important later down the line so it's not about you know making a big sacrifice and putting all your money away mm. but it's just a matter of budgeting and understanding that okay i need x amount of money for my fixed cost, X amount of money is going to go into my saving. You pay yourself. I mean, you're paying for all these services. You're paying for all these goods. But when are you actually paying yourself? Uh, and then the rest can be spent on lifestyle. Like the restaurants are reopening very soon. Yeah, let's go for it. You know, let's spend yeah. this money. You do a bit of yeah. emotional spending. That's completely fine. But make sure you've paid yourself uh, something and, and your you know top priorities, repaying your debt and building up this a rainy day fund in case something happens to you. Yeah, really good advice. Um, when we interviewed you for our How She Did It series, I loved your comment about one of your biggest financial learnings, um, which was building wealth is not just about income, but being able to save and make your money grow. And this, uh, this really resonated with me as someone who started saving and investing only really recently in the last couple of years. I thought back to my youngest sister. So I'm one of four girls and she has more money saved, more investments than any of her other three sisters. She spent her sort of, you know, life saving and being sensible with her spending. And she now has a deposit to buy a house. And I remember at the time, kind of all of us mocking her, being like, oh, you're so tight, not spending your money. And, you know, I think, I think it's so important to remember as well, you know, it's not about having loads of cash and earning lots of money and turning over lots of money it's as you say you know managing your money and understanding ways in which you can make it grow and I really loved that sentiment and so my question is for anyone who's looking to start at the very beginning of their investment journey what what would be some of your key tips for them yeah so investing is is really important for you know, helping you achieve your long-term goals. We think that investing is some sort of a luxury uh, and that's for people who have a lot of money. It's definitely not. It's for everyone. So if you have a pension, for example, you're already an investor, so well done. Um, but if you don't, maybe, you know, you should try to go back to, first of all, where do you stand? If you have expensive debts, you know, credit cards, if you're paying like 18% interest on this, maybe you should go and pay back this, your overdraft, your payday loans, all these like short-term expensive debts because that's going to be quite difficult to put all your money away in the stock market and try to expect a return uh, like this and you're also taking a lot more risk. So, you know, repay this, then build up an emergency fund, like a few months of, of income in case something happens. And when you invest your money, you want to do that for the long term, so five to ten years plus. The longer you leave your money, uh, the higher are your chances to actually make a good, make a good like financial return. So over the years, um, 
I mean, usually stock market perform better than cash. So the problem is if we keep all our money in cash, uh, I mean, look, go and, and check, you know, how much you're getting on your savings accounts at the moment. Cash either it's going to be between 0.1% to maybe 1%. Mm. So your money is not working at all. Like it's just sitting there. So it's okay because it's safe. Um, it's accessible. You can take it out anytime. Uh, if you need it, if you have an issue, whatever, that's great. But for the long term, it doesn't work because the economy is growing. Goods and services are getting more expensive because of inflation. So if you keep your money earning 0%, everything else is growing, you know, it is, as increases in value um, around you. So you won't be able to afford whatever you, you can afford today in the long term. So this is really important when we talk about um, you know retirement, because when we retire, we want to have a big pot of money. That's going to replace our salary, our income. We're just going to live from our savings. And in the UK, the state pension is not very high. It's 100, 200 pounds a week. So think about having you know a private pension or, or savings on the side, maybe stocks and share ISA, um, that will help you to you know draw an income from this pot for whenever you need them. And also when you invest money, you benefit from compound interest. So if you receive, you know, maybe dividends from your investments and you reinvest these dividends, that helps your money grow um, even faster. So that's basically why uh, we invest money. This is for growth, this is to get a, a financial return. And women tend to invest less than men, um, but they're really good investors. So there's a few pieces of research that show that women return a higher, um, like, rate of return than, than men because they invest for the longer term. They don't trade as much. Trading means you know buying and selling investments. We tend to buy and hold for a longer term. We do a lot of research. Um, we're very diligent. So it's super encouraging, but we'd love to see like more women um, investing because that's gonna help you know close the, the gender pay gap and really help you build wealth um, over the long term. So investing can seem really complicated. So we've been doing a lot of like introduction to investing webinar because now there's so many like apps on the market and you, you can look at the auto saving apps at the robo advisors. And basically these platforms will invest money on your behalf. So you don't even need to know how to pick funds uh, or how to pick shares because now these platforms will invest your money in, in a portfolio of different funds. I think at the moment there's a lot of hype also around investing uh, because, you know, through lockdown, um, a lot of people have been able to save uh, some money, actually not, you know, spending a lot and, and changing their spending habits. So they have money, spare money to, to invest. So we've seen a lot of people going straight into maybe like crypto or buying like the, you know, trendy like tech stocks and stuff like that. But I would really urge you not to do that and think back about, you know, what is investing? Why is it more risky to invest in one stock versus one fund? A fund is a collection of different stocks. So you don't want to put all your money into one company or like all your eggs in one basket, but actually spread your money over, over different types of investments. So you need to understand the basics, understand why you're doing it, um, that you're not going to get your money back before maybe five, 10 years or plus. Uh, and also di diversify. And if you can't explain your investments to your friends, maybe to your kids, maybe you shouldn't do it. So take a bit more time and, and you know, get into the habit of maybe, you know, read a book about money, read one like financial article, talk with your friends, but don't go for any like stock recommendation on, on social media. That's like super important. Um, and yeah, the, the other thing is getting started. 
like very small with some of the mm. auto saving apps you can just invest your spare change so if you still you know trying to build up your emergency funds emergency savings but you want to get started um yeah just go for it like you know a few pounds a week and with the robo advisors maybe 25 pounds a month if you can afford to do that um that's the best way to actually yeah. learn is you know having some yeah skin in the game um you're gonna make mistakes yeah. But you know that, you know, time is really your friend. So if you leave your money for longer, usually that, that should help you also reduce your, your risk. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I know that you've said in the past, you know, women make great investors. And I think a lot of the time it's about having the confidence to just do it and just to start. And, and I made a note of something else you said, which is specifically for women, the level of financial literacy is low and there is a need for a confidence boost. And a study revealed that while women scored lower than men at final literacy tests, when the option of answering, I don't know, was removed, they scored just as high as men. And I find this so interesting because we are more cautious and we we almost kind of just assume um, that we're not going to have the right answer. And I think, as you say, by starting, that gives us the confidence boost. Yeah, I just wanted to make that point because I thought it was um, a really interesting finding and we just got to have a bit more faith in ourselves, haven't we? Yeah, we should because it's, I mean, first of all, it's really important to make sure, you know, you have enough money for, you know, for later and to achieve your, your goals and to grow your money. Mm. And also because it's not that complicated. Uh, so, you know, stop procrastinating and, and start doing it and do it on a very, very small scale. And it's okay. And, you know, just just get started. I think, yeah, you know, investing is now very democratic everyone can can really do it you don't need to talk to anyone it should actually be quite boring you you shouldn't get too much excitement out of it i i used to do that and picking stocks and stuff like that that's actually the best way uh, to to lose money um so you know don't maybe check your yahoo finance and all these apps i often say you know delete your fine your investing apps just put some money there and, and leave it there forget about it leave it there for the long term it's actually the best way um to make to make money in the long run but yeah, women can definitely do it and that will give you, you know, a peace of mind and it will offer you like a lot more choices, I think, in life if you know you have the savings and this pot of money that's that's growing on the side. Oh, Emily, it's been such a pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your experiences and your, your tips. Yeah, it's been great. Before I let you go, I'd love to know what does the future of Vestpod look like? So for us at the moment, we're really focusing on education. So education around, we've been doing a lot of like money management, so we're still going to do that, but a lot more on investing. Um, I think, you know, building a portfolio, making sure you'll have enough when you retire. So for me, it's bringing the best experts also um, in the financial world and, and, and ask them to, you know, talk to, to my community, grow the community, but making sure, you know, everyone has a voice and can share their issues and stuff like that. So focus on education and, and the community um, for the time being and also be, you know, very vocal about all these issues. I, you know, write about women and money. So making sure the industry understands that we need to talk to women um, maybe differently about money and empower them. Love that. Thank you so much, Emily. It's been such a pleasure to speak to you today. Where can people find you, follow you, support Vestpod? So vestpod.com is the best place and then you have access. I mean, you can you can check our courses, classes, uh, podcasts, the book, everything is there. And then Instagram maybe at vestpod and you can find me there. You can send me a DM, you can send me an email. 
Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Lara, for having me. Thank you for listening to the Bossing It podcast with me, Lara Sheldrake. You can visit our website at foundflourish.co.uk, follow us on social at foundflourish, and join in on the conversation by tagging us using the hashtag bossingitpod. Please don't forget to rate and review us on your favourite podcast platform. This will help other listeners find us. Until next time. Thank you.